If you have a flight coming up, wouldn't it be great to see the weather forecast for your destination, the baggage rules for your ticket, and maybe even information about the aircraft and access to expense tracking all in one place? App in the Air makes this easy for you. Just upload your flight information and get access to tons of tracking features with the free version of the app and even more with App in the Air Pro. Check out App in the Air and get 20% off of your next flight when you book directly through the app using the code GeoBreeze at checkout. Thank you to App in the Air for partnering with this episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast, a show for anyone wanting to level up their travel hacking lifestyle. I'm your host, Julia Menez. I'm a travel hacker, coach, speaker, Filipina-American ENTJ who loves solid travel gear and using shortcuts on spreadsheets. On this show, I'm on a mission to bring you travel hackers from all walks of life to help you level up your travel hacking game. We dive into credit cards, miles, points, strategy, mindset, and the secrets behind how to travel the world for next to no cost. So let's get hacking. I've definitely had some like okay experiences in business and I won't really get into that. But first you are treated like royalty. And I think maybe fast forwarding a little bit, I finally understood the reason why people fly first class if they can afford it. And it was from San Francisco to Dubai. It was the longest flight that I've ever taken, about 15 to 16 hours. And when I got into Dubai airport, I was refreshed, I was fed, and I was showered. And I was like, I literally feel like a million dollars compared to other people who have been sitting in economy and airplanes get hot, right? And you get very poor sleep if you're not a light sleeper. And to be able to say, I could go on with my day and take on the world, like if you're working a very high level job, or a lot of strain is required of you the minute you get to Dubai, like that's what you need to fly to be able to perform. You know, fortunately for us, we're just going to go be tourists for a day. But to have that feeling is like, oh my gosh, I, I think I get it. Hey there, points people. You just heard a clip from Idrif Loxa from What's Good Dough. Idrif is a points and pizza enthusiast. When it comes to using points, his philosophy is simple. 90% of his travel is to eat amazing food across the U.S. using the Southwest Companion Pass and the other 10% is used to fly premium cabins, preferably first class. In this episode, Idrif compares his experiences flying Emirates first class and Etihad first class. Everything from the lounge experience to the onboard service to the actual hard product seat on the plane. If you are looking for a premium credit card, but with a fee below $500, check out the Capital One Venture X, which includes lounge access, top tier rental car status, and many other luxury perks. Remember, when you go for your next card, Always use a friend or creator's referral links. Please don't apply directly through Google. If you're interested in supporting this show when you apply for your next card, check out geobreezetravel.com slash cards. And we have a link to the Capital One Venture X for you in the show notes as well. And now, on with the show. Hey, Idrif, welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Hey, Julia, pleasure to be here. I am so excited to have you here. We are going to talk about two everybody's bucket list airline products. We're going to talk about first class Emirates versus Etihad and which one's better, which one's more affordable and which ones people should set their sights on first, even though I think everybody should eventually fly both of them and I have flown neither. So both of them are on my bucket list and I'm excited to hear more about those today. Before we jump into all of that, 
Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how did you get into the game of points and miles? Mm. Well, I think like everyone who listens to your show, I'm just a travel lover. I started with the points and miles community, really just researching the points guy back in, I want to say 2012, but I guess to go back a little bit, I got my first credit card after college when my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, wanted to go to Harry Potter World. And it was in Florida. It was across the country from me. And I was a broke postgraduate student. And so I was like, how do I do this? And I remembered seeing a mailer from US Bank, FlexPerks, I think was the program. And it said, get $400 off your airline tickets. And I was intrigued. Fortunately, I had good credit. I had, had some good money practices. And so I qualified for the card. I got the miles and I was able to take my girlfriend to our first like real vacation. So that I was proud of that. <laughs> awesome. What were the next steps after that? After you were like, oh my God, it actually works. I can get some travel without paying full price for it. How did you dive in after that? Was it still one step at a time or, oh my God, we got to get 11 cards? <laughs> I took it slow just because I knew that my spending was limited and capped at the time. I didn't make a lot of income, but I made enough to where I could probably take on one credit card at a time. And so my wife wanted to go to Paris. And again, American Express was the one sending me mailers. So I applied for the Delta card and that's what we used to fly over there. I think it was maybe 30,000 points to get to Rome and back. So probably 60,000 points. And then we flew a regional airline just to get to Paris. For whatever reason, there was a sale on Delta to get to Rome. And we were like, all right, let's do it. For that trip, we ended up staying at the Park High at Vendôme. She like swears by it every single time. Like every time we go to Paris, we have to stay there, even if it's for 45,000 points a night today, <laughs> we'll go. It's ridiculously priced, but it's one of the best hotel experiences we've ever had. Tell us a little bit more about your experience at the Park Hyatt Paris Vendome because that is another one of those bucket list items for people. And in case you haven't heard of this hotel, it used to be 30,000 points per night. It's since gone up in price with Hyatt, but it's still a fantastic value because how much does this hotel cost on a normal day? When we first started staying there, it was around 800. And I want to say euros, right? I want to say that it's around 900 to 1,000 euros on a good night, but don't quote me on that. But it's it's up there. It's definitely up there. Yeah, still a really, really good valuation and a great use of points. Tell us about this hotel. What is so special about it? Oh my goodness. Well, the smell. <laughs> oddly enough, is like the one thing that you'll never forget because it's so sensory that when you just go into it, you feel richer for whatever reason. <laughs> Let me tell you this amazing story. When we, when we went to the hotel the second time, we were traveling via Uber or taxi from the airport. And I, we were going to the hotel and I swear I was like pointing out to the window and I said to my wife, that's Owen Wilson on a bicycle. And she looked off to the right and she's like, no, that's not. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm, I'm tripping maybe. 
And so we go to the hotel, we check in, we stay for a day or we stay our first night. And then as we're, you know, exiting the elevator, like nothing exciting happens. And as we're exiting the elevator on the second day, we ended up taking the service elevator for whatever reason, right? We missed the regular elevator. We took the service one. And guess who pops up in the service elevator? Why was Owen he there? freaking Wilson. <laughs> Why was he there? I, maybe he appreciates posh luxury hotels <laughs> like we do. But why were you both in the service elevator? <laughs> I think for whatever reason, he was taking the service elevator because it's less used. There's like two regular elevators and a third service elevator off to the left. And for whatever reason, I don't know if I pressed the button or it just happened to open, but oh my goodness, we ran into Owen Wilson and we were like, hey, Owen, were you on a bike yesterday? Like, that was the first thing I said to Owen and it must have been like the weirdest thing. Like, how did you know I was on a bike? <laughs> but anyway, like that just goes to show like you get to meet some famous people there at the hotel. The service is amazing. We stayed there for a third time in April and we paid um, the unfortunate amount of 45,000 points. It hurt, it hurt my soul a little bit, but because we went there for the third time, we had already started building a relationship with the concierge and they hooked us up with the most beautiful deluxe room. They gave my wife this beautiful scented candle for her birthday and they just filled the room with balloons. They offered to get us a cake. We, we actually passed on the champagne because my wife is expecting. So they got us these like little sparkling lemonades. It was, it was the best time really. And it's just, they go above and beyond to serve you over there. And it's a really, really fun time. Do you have Hyatt Globalist? So did you have breakfast there as well? By the time, like we booked this trip within a week. So I could not get it all situated. I don't have Globalist. I was trying to get guests of honor. We didn't get breakfast. Like we haven't gotten breakfast. It is on my bucket list. What kind of room did you get? Did you get a standard room or was it upgraded? And what do these rooms look like? Is it just a balcony that's overlooking the streets of Paris? And you're like, oh, it's Owen Wilson on a bicycle. Look at that. <laughs> Actually, my views, our views from the last, the first two times weren't that great. It was just, it was a Parisian balcony. I mean, that in itself is beautiful, but like it's overlooking a residential neighborhood. So it's not much, but this time around, we were put in a deluxe room and it looked like we were in a room at the top floor with slanted ceilings. So it, at first it didn't look too special. It was definitely bigger than the other rooms that we've gotten. And, you know, inside the room, you're going to get a bathtub and a shower combo, heated toilets. Oh my goodness. If you've never sat on one before, it is the best morning poop of your life. We ended up buying one for the house. Bought a toilet? <laughs> Because you stayed at the hotel. Oh yes. my God, that is a new level of influencing. Yes. What month did you go? Was it like a cold winter day too, where you were like, oh my God, this is amazing? <laughs> We've gone mainly in around February and April. So yeah, it was a bit cold. <laughs> um, and yeah, just going back to the view, let me tell you this last time we went, when we got the deluxe room, you could actually go onto the balcony and like, there was this little ladder that you could take up. And I don't think you're supposed to go on there. 
So probably, you know, don't try it if you're afraid of heights, but I'll send it to you if I can, if I can get it. Literally, like you go up to the balcony, views like you've never seen. You can see the Eiffel Tower from afar. It's just, just like, it's unblocked. And it was beautiful to have that like little view by yourself. Really amazing. Are you using the ladder to like climb up onto the roof or just on the ladder you can already see all of this? On the ladder, you can already see all of this. And like, you can't really go much farther than the ladder. You could, I think they use it to like clean the top of my room, but there is more, I guess, pitch that you can go up, but the ladder doesn't go that far. Yeah, probably don't start climbing up on to the pitch. No, no, I'm scared. <laughs> don't roll off the roof of the Park Hyatt. That is a bad, bad story. Travel hacker falls off Parisian roof. <laughs> not a good, not a good blog post. <laughs> I'm already going through my mind of okay, who on this podcast that I've interviewed is most likely to be the subject of that headline? And I'm not going to name names, but there's a couple people who come to mind that <laughs> that would be that person. <laughs> All right, so. You have taken some amazing luxury trips to Paris, and then we're going to talk about the Middle Eastern trip. How many of these trips do you normally go on? Are you pretty new to this, or have you been doing this for a long time? I think, as a lot of people will recognize, it's just time in the game. I hear it on your podcast all the time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And so I've been lucky enough to have been doing this since like 2014 or 2015, so eight years of just like practice, making sure I don't, you know, exile myself from Chase or American Express. I treat the banks nicely. I mean, I am bugging American Express a few times a year to get a retention bonus. But other than that, I try not to abuse the system. And it's about longevity. So yeah, I've been able to accumulate some points and use them for fun trips. Perfect. So speaking of fun trips, tell us about your honeymoon because you saved roughly a hundred grand. Like if you had to pay this in cash, it would have cost a hundred grand, right? Yeah. I was calculating the flights, the hotels that we stayed at, you know, just like everyone kind of likes to do. You see it all the time. Like, oh, I spent 50,000 on my honeymoon, blah, blah, blah. I just decided to Google flights, cost all the trips. And I was like, oh crap, this is a lot. But we knew that we wanted to go to the Maldives. It was 20... Late 2017, early 2018, when I was planning this. And so it was relatively, it was relatively hard, relatively easy because, you know, it wasn't as saturated back then. There were a couple options like Alaska and JAL. At least now, today, you can still book through Emirates, or as before, you really couldn't unless you had a ton of cash. But just to give everyone a bit of a primer, we flew from San Francisco to Dubai to Barcelona, back to Dubai, to the Maldives, to JFK, then to LAX, all in first class. The first leg going to, up to Maldives was in first class Emirates. And on the way back, it was first class Etihad. And so we were lucky to be able to spend four legs in first class Emirates and every product, there were some significant differences in two of the products. And then Etihad was just luxurious all around. And so yeah, great trip. 
maybe the first, the next question you're like, is like, how did we get all those points? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we played four player mode. I told my mom and dad, hey, don't get me anything for our honey, for our wedding. Uh, let me just leverage your good credit history and your income. And uh, I promise I'll take care of y'all. And so we applied for a bunch of Starwood preferred guest credit cards. And I manufactured spend like maybe close to 30, 40 grand. And we, it took me about six, seven months. I was going to Lucky's a lot. And back then, if anyone doesn't know, it was a supermarket that allowed gift cards. I was buying them from Gift Card Mall. I was buying them from another mall, Simon Mall. Back then, they didn't even have the $1,000 gift cards. So it was $500. I was doing Office Depot on occasion. I was having my brother help me cash them out. But Office Depot... It was very hard because $200 swipes at a time was ridiculous. And so, yeah, I was able to accumulate all of that through SPG. And then we ended up transferring to JAL, Japan Airlines. And from there, that's where we were able to do this crazy booking because they go based off of mileage. And so I did all the calculations and I thought to myself, whoa, we could really go far in Emirates and it wouldn't cost that much more. Like it goes by tiers. So like just a few extra miles would unlock this new tier for us that would allow us to go further. And that's why we went from first class to Barcelona back to Dubai to go to Malay. And then for Etihad, flying first class there, that was cake compared to Emirates. It was just American Airlines miles. And we were able to book that fairly easily and we even got to tag on an American Airlines flagship first from New York to LA. So that was cool. How many points did each of these legs cost? Mm. Um, I want to say the Emirates one was 155,000 JAL per person. And the Etihad was around 80 to 100K each way, just one way give or take. I can't remember the exact details, but it's close to that. If someone wanted to recreate these methods of yours, some parts don't exist anymore. Like SPG program, rest in peace, does not mm-hmm. exist anymore. How much harder would it be to do this today versus what year you did this in? Mm. Well, you can't manufacture spend as well as you can with gift cards anymore. I'm sure there are other methods to do that. It took a lot of points. So that is usually the barrier. And then availability. Fortunately, from what I've seen, Emirates has decent availability for premium cabins. But to do that back and forth from Dubai to Barcelona seems like a waste of a leg. Like figure out where you want to go. If you just want to ride, you know, a top tier airline. Figure out the minimum that you need just to get there. And I think Emirates is a good program. Alaska seems very high today. They've since devalued their Emirates partnership, I think, just so that Emirates can stand out. And then American Airlines for Etihad, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure what the costs are, but I would love to fly both airlines again. And so I'll be looking into that. Cool. 
Yeah, I know whenever the words manufacturer spend come up on this podcast, people are like, that's it. That's what I got to do. I need to like turn through gift cards. I'm like, mm, this was years ago, guys. Sorry. Uh, Bluebird's dead. Redbird's dead. The birds are all dead. Bye-bye, so, birdie. Bye-bye, <laughs> birdie. So yeah, people got a lot of really cool redemptions back in the day. It is harder now, but also I think information is easier to come by now. So it might not be as quick of a hack for the few people who figure it out, but I think more people are able to get there eventually with these first class flights. Hey there. Some of the redemptions we talk about on this show sound incredible and aspirational. And I know Instagram can make it seem like points influencers are earning points effortlessly and endlessly. But the reality is that most people don't really have that much money to spend and don't want to open up that many credit cards. And I don't think the correct answer should be for me or any other influencer to just keep shilling out more cards while saying that sign-up bonuses are the end-all be-all. Am I wrong? On this show, we've discussed so many different ways to earn points while still staying within your budget. I'm actually putting together a series of tutorials with step-by-step -step guides for how to easily earn more points without opening 20 cards. If you're interested in getting early access and don't want to miss out on these strategies, check out geobreezetravel.com waitlist, which I have linked for you in the show notes. In the meantime, we also offer some next-level tips and tricks in the monthly masterclasses within the Patreon, and you can find a link to that in the show notes as well. This week's Patreon shout-out goes out to Alana. Thank you so much for being a part of the GeoBreeze Travel Patreon community. So to kind of entice people to put in the work to get all of these cool luxury trips, tell us a little bit about the experience in Emirates First Class and then Etihad First Class, and what can you kind of expect if you're flying from San Francisco, is there a special Emirates lounge that you get to go into for first class? And what's it like? Oh, yeah. That was, I think, our first like lounge experience that was outside of a priority pass or airline lounge that wasn't a part of a credit card perk. And fortunately, the San Francisco airport and I think a few other airports have a dedicated lounge just for Emirates. Mm -hmm. And while it's not as big or grandiose as the ones in other countries, specifically in uh, in the a uh, in the DXB airport, it's still pretty nice. There's a huge spread levels to it, really. All you can drink, and the furniture is quite nice, and it smells good too. Not like Park Hyatt good, but it definitely doesn't. I've been to some Priority Pass um, lounges, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, they they need to clean this place up a bit. But yeah, the DXB lounge, the Emirates lounge, excuse me, at San Francisco is pretty clean. So when you flew to Dubai, you had a layover there for just a day? Yeah, we had a layover there for a day and we stayed at Omaha. We had a few thousand SPG points available. And actually, that was the time Marriott had just had the partnership. That's how we were able to transfer the miles to gel, uh, Japan Airlines. But we had a few thousand points left. And that was the time, too, when Marriott was devaluing all the properties. So we got Omaha at a really, really, really good deal. I want to say it was 60,000 Marriott points before it jumped to 80. And now I believe it's around 100 ish but we were upgraded to the presidential suite when we were there and how oh, sorry. how did this happen how did this happen well i think a lot of your listeners know how it's using some sort of outreach technique like the letter that you have on your website it works y'all 
it works. These types of things do work, especially if you're on your honeymoon, especially if you have a little bit of status. We had platinum status at the time. And you know what, too? I think it, I'm not saying this like you have to be Filipino, but the person who was working at the front desk was Filipina. <laughs> and I swear, she just gave us the biggest smile. And when we were checking out, the manager reached out to us. Sorry, when we were going into our room and being walked there, the manager, who wasn't Filipino, said, thank you for your ambassador status. And I just like nodded and said, you're welcome. And then I looked at my wife, who has no idea what that word means. And I was like, babe, do you know what ambassador means? Like, that's the top tier. Like, that is guaranteed upgrades. I think they like told the manager that we had ambassador status so that we could get a presidential suite. A lot of people who work in the service industry abroad, you'll see a lot of Filipinos because the opportunities in the Philippines are very slim. And so going to these different countries to work and be, to be able to provide for their family is already difficult. And so when you can relate, when you can bring a smile to them, you never know what surprises are coming your way, whether it's an upgrade, a spa treatment, or just an extra cleaned room, knowing that they put an extra five minutes and making sure that your room is tidy. That goes a long way. So just, it's about respect. Yeah, for sure. And tip your housekeepers, y'all. All of, yeah, the housekeeping staff, just leave, leave like 5 or $10 or $20 a day when you stay at hotels, especially if you got upgraded to a suite anyway. Those things take a long time to clean. So oh, yeah. tip it goes a long way. Staff. Yeah. So this was just one day that you were in Dubai, got upgraded to this magical presidential suite at the Omaha, went back to the airport. How does the airport lounge in Dubai, like the flagship lounge, compare to San Francisco, which was already very nice? It was already very nice, but this, like the San Francisco lounge is like one little corner on the first floor of the flagship lounge in Dubai. Keep getting, I keep mixing up the countries. But this lounge is ridiculous. I don't think I've ever seen anything this big. I think Lufthansa has a pretty big lounge. Etihad's lounge is tiny in comparison. But this lounge is like two or three levels, if I recall correctly. And there are just food stations on food stations on food stations on food stations. I hope I emphasize that enough because it's literally overwhelming. We actually, because we had so many legs on the trip, we actually stayed there overnight because they have sleeper lounges. Yeah, there, and you can also sign up for a free 10 to 15 minute massage while we were there. I, I don't know if that was the case today, but yeah, just so many perks, so much breathing room, and it's oddly empty. Like, I guess there aren't too many people flying first class, but it's just kind of weird that they have so many amenities for so few people. And it's possible that we went during a slow time, but like literally, I mean, this was pre-pandemic. Like, it's not like travel was slow. So I don't know. I think it was just here, have the best and have a lot of space. And that's what first class feels like. And then you flew Emirates again to the Maldives, right? Right. We did. Yes. And that I'm glad you bring that up because that was a first-class product that was 
the same in a way where we were still in the front of the cabin. It was still gold, but it was clearly older. And so just a fair warning for folks, like not all first class experiences are the same. Not all planes are the same. Even though you still have a suite, it was it was definitely more compact. It was definitely, the service was definitely less spectacular than some of our other routes, I would say. But at the end of the day, you're still flying first class and still enjoyable. Perfect. So tell us about Etihad on the way back. So let's start in the Maldives. You're flying Maldives to Abu Dhabi on Etihad, then back to California. Is that the route? We actually flew from Etihad, Abu Dhabi, to New York, to LA. And then we took LA to San Jose, just a little regional flight. Yeah. Cool. So tell us about that experience. In the Maldives, do you have some kind of first-class lounge to fly into Abu Dhabi? Mm, Yeah. So it was weird. Like there was, there was just the, it was a shared lounge, if I recall correctly. And I don't know, the airport workers were just treating us like crap. But the line was ridiculously long. And I'm just so thankful that we had a premium leg because at the end of the day, you would have waited in this long line with workers who hated being there. And we were dressed in like island clothes and we're brown people. And like we go up to the premium class lounge. I mean, sorry, premium class line. And they're like, economy's this way. And I was like, sorry, bro. Business. And then they're like, business? Literally business? Like shocked to see my flight. And I was like so pissed. So that's my one like little tangent. But we actually flew business from Abu Dhabi to, sorry, Maldives to Abu Dhabi because our plane got changed last minute. Unfortunately, I think there were there were some issues with the plane, but we were supposed to fly, fly, fly first class from Maldives to Abu Dhabi, but it's okay. We ended up flying first class where it mattered from Abu Dhabi to New York. But before that, we got to experience the Abu Dhabi first class Etihad lounge for about 24 hours. <laughs> Our plane got delayed massively. And we were there for so long. (laughs) Tell us about this lounge. Is it like magical where you're like, I love being in here for 24 hours? Or was it a, I need to leave this lounge. It has been 24 hours experience. Oh my goodness. So we actually stayed in Abu Dhabi for about 32 hours. We stayed in the lounge for about 24 and we upgraded to the private room. I think it was about 100 to $200. And it was totally worth it because we were staying there overnight. This private room is like dead in the center of the lounge. And, you know, you have this whole space to yourself. They even gave us the pajamas and we stayed there. And they bring you anything you wanted. Outside of the private room, again, massages, complimentary. You can get a complimentary service, the different things. There is this like theater and then there is a cigar room and some food options and a and a restaurant very very small though i want to say it was like the size of the san francisco emirates lounge but very luxurious it had a very it had an upscale feel to it compared to the emirates lounge if i'm not mistaken though i think they changed the lounge for etihad but don't quote me on that but it was really nice when we went and then i mentioned you know we stayed in abu dhabi for 32 hours we were delayed even further and so etihad 
finally was like, all right, we're going to book you a hotel in the city. And so they booked us a hotel in the city and yeah, we just got to, and, but we were so tired that we didn't even get to explore. But yeah, that was our long layover story in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> that is a lot of time to be in a lounge. But eventually when you flew Etihad back to the States, was this the Etihad apartment that you got to fly in? Yes, it was the apartment, not the Sam Chewy, I don't know what it's called, but the baller status, but like, you know, the second baller status, like the apartments, you know, you get your closing door, you still have access to the showers. I would say this apartment was definitely, I would say it's way more spacious than Emirates. It's hard to pick which one's better than the other, but this one just had a lot of space. I remember the seats to be extremely comfortable because you could just spread out. And it had a, a pseudo double bed. Like it wasn't a double bed like Singapore where you could be, you know, elbow to elbow or Q suites where you could be elbow to elbow, but it was definitely comfier than Q suites. Not as comfy as Singapore first, but this one had like a little partition, but it wasn't, very tall, but you definitely couldn't snuggle together. And yeah, it just felt good to be able to like literally like walk around your room. Like you could do that in the Etihad apartments. Yeah, the super baller status one, I think, is the Etihad residence, which is three mm. separate bedrooms. It's like a three bedroom apartment, which I forgot how many points that was. You can technically book it on points, but it's like millions of points. Yeah, I bet. Pretty undoable. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it would be even worth it for just the average travel hacker to to do it. I mean, like, I think people like Sam or Casey, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Nasiat, get comped for those kinds of things, I would imagine, just to be able to promote the product. But like a million points, like, are you looking for one banger 15-hour flight? Or would you like go on, you know, five amazing business class destinations. It's like your choice, right? So speaking of, how much did it cost to do this Etihad flight? Yeah, I want to say it was like 80,000 80, points in AA miles around there, like give or take maybe 10,000 points, but it was not a lot. And because we were familiar with the routings, uh, we were able to tack on flagship first. And that was a great experience too. And so I would say that was like the best deal. And to get the flights, we just signed up for City AA cards. How do you tack on the flagship? Like if someone's like, what does that mean? How do you do that? Yeah. And so technically the routing was Malay, Abu Dhabi to New York, right? And if you were just to book it regularly, it would automatically put you in business. But because you're flying in first, you can call an American Airlines rep and tell them to upgrade you to first class because that's technically the fare that they'll put you in. But if you were to just book it from New York to LA, it wouldn't be attached at all. So let me go back real quickly. From Abu Dhabi to New York, 85,000 points somewhere there. But from New York to LA, just call an AA rep 
and they'll add it on for free because it's technically the same amount of miles needed from New York to LA, just the routing wasn't bookable via the computer. So you can just, if you can't find any availability from California to Abu Dhabi, you can, but you can find New York to Abu Dhabi. You just need to take the quick layover in New York, fly Abu Dhabi to New York, call an AA agent. And then as long as that flight exists and there's still space on it, they'll just tack it on for free. Exactly. Thank you for making that sound so much more clear. Yes, that's it. That's amazing. And I bet very, very few people know about that route. Is there a way that you know of? Because I know people ask about transcontinental flights all the time. Is there a way to do this where you're like, I just need to get from California to New York and there's no good availability on flights? Is there a way around that if somebody just wanted to do the flagship first across the U.S.? Flagship first across the U.S. I would, if I if it were me, I would just search which routes flagship first flies and then try to position myself for that. I think SFO to Boston at the time was doing it. And yeah, I mean, I would say that flagship first is definitely one of the better domestic airline experiences I've ever experienced. Hopefully that's the answer that you're looking for. Yeah, you can fly, I think, New York to San Francisco, New York to LA. And if you can magically find this availability, you can transfer Amex points to Etihad for 25,000 points. You can fly across the US in American Airlines first. That is one of those unicorn things, kind of like Turkish Miles and Smiles business class to Hawaii for like 25,000 points round trip. It's one of those unicorns, but people have done it. And then you get to experience the first class flagship lounge in New York, which has like James Beard awards for the food that's served there too. Like normally American Airlines food I hear is not great to say the least, but tell us about your experience on the flagship first transcon. What was that like? (sighs) So the just to start with the lounge, I definitely like was sad that we were flying in the morning because back then we used to drink and I was looking at the alcohol menu and I was like, oh my goodness, I would love, 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 love to taste all of these. But alcohol wasn't served till after nine, which I think is a smart move for them. But the food was amazing. The lounge itself was big and there's a separate restaurant that Flagship First can access and you can order on a menu. And I always appreciate that because like for the most part, your food is cooked fresh to order versus just kind of like sitting at a buffet. Nothing wrong with buffet food. There's definitely a time and a place for it. But if you can get a hot, fresh meal cooked the way you like, that's my preference. The lounge itself was huge, very well lit. Like you, it didn't feel like it was like super early in the morning. I felt awake. And then boarding onto the plane really was a nice experience. You had pods. It was kind of like an international business class flight where you had your own pod that was very private. The food selection was actually quite nice. They had press juicery, which for anyone listening doesn't know is this like bougie juice. <laughs> and uh, we got to drink that for the first time. I was like, I'd never pay for this. I, I, I think it was only in New York at the time. And I was like, I would never go to New York just to get this. So, hey, pinkies up, let's drink. Um, it's like $9 the, for a juice. It's yeah. juice should cost. <laughs> but it was good. Oh my goodness, was it good. So... After having sampled that, I may I may try it another time just to maybe relive that experience. Um, going back to the food, 
I don't remember eating too much because we had filled ourselves up at the lounge. And so we kind of skipped on that. It was so early in the morning. We can only eat so much in the morning. And so what was really nice is that we just got to sleep and in peace too. And I had a cup of coffee when I woke up and I felt refreshed. And I feel like that's the most important part is when you fly these premium class cabins, you wake up and you're like, wow, I feel good. Good. So the ultimate question, which one was better? Emirates or Etihad, if somebody only had enough points that they could only pick one. Are you really going to make me choose? (laughs) The title of the episode is Emirates versus Etihad. I would honestly, you know, premise this answer by saying definitely try both. You're not going to regret it. But the Emirates shower is unlike any other. I the bathroom smells so good going back to smell but it's so huge and we didn't even get to talk about this but like you know when you go into an airplane bathroom whether it's economy or even some business class flights you are so cramped and I am 55 and not very I don't have a very long arm span but I do not like going to the bathroom I'll make sure to empty out as much as I can before boarding but when you're at an Emirates bathroom, like you can even lay on the floor because you know it's clean. Because after every use, and this is for Etihad too, after every use, an attendant will come clean the bathroom. But again, unparalleled space. You can like work out inside the Emirates bathroom. And then the shower is huge. You have amazing like water pressure, some heat. It's limited in time, but it's just enough to get clean and it feels really good. And so I would choose Emirates solely on the fact that it was, it had some nostalgia because it was our very first premium cabin internationally. And it was amazing service, but really the cherry on top was the bathroom. I feel like everyone who's really into this bathroom is a guy because they limit you to like five minutes or so in the shower. And for most girls, it's like, not enough time to rinse out your hair. But I I hear that the shower is really nice. I'd probably just put my hair in a bun and be like, we're not washing the hair. It's just like to wash my face and body and then we can go. You'll still feel fresh, Julia. Like you'll still feel fresh. Perfect. Well, this was a ton of amazing information. So if you had to sum up all of your points and miles knowledge into one quote card for Instagram, what would it be? I would definitely say, you know, for everyone out there, take it slow, build it up, and don't abuse the system. Like, banks know about us. Like, don't don't make them hate us even more. But really, use the fact that they want us to use their product to their advantage. And go out there and take some amazing, beautiful trips. And live life in luxury, even if it's once a year or once every two years or once every five years. This hobby is so worth it just to be able to do that. Perfect. And speaking of great tips as well, can you give recommendations for a couple of other pages that people on the internet should go follow? Mm. Well, when you say pages, I think most people on your podcast will definitely say like Instagram pages. Unfortunately, I limit my 
Instagram content to pizza nowadays just because I don't like to split my focus, truthfully. But I will say that some people that I rely on on the daily or the weekly nowadays is Doctor of Credit. It's my absolute go-to resource and lucky from one mile at a time. I feel like they're great writers, they have great information, and lucky fits my travel style and Chuck or Charles fits my craving for information. So those are the two resources, pages that I like to promote. Awesome. And where can we find you on the internet? Mm. I am at What's Good Doe on Instagram. Today, I don't do as much traveling internationally or I don't put too much focus on luxury travel. I would still like to do at least one banger trip once every two years. But today, my focus is trying to eat all of the best pizzas around the nation and around the world. And so my points traveling is limited to that. Finding the best pizzerias, flying there, eating there, and documenting it on my Instagram at What's Good Dough. Perfect. All the tips for points and pizza. Well, thank you, you again it. so much for coming onto the show. We learned so much today about Emirates and Etihad, and now they're even more on my bucket list because they were already there, but now I just want to fly them even more. So, so thank you again for providing all of this wonderful information to our listeners. Thanks for having me, Julia. And I can't wait to see you go on these trips and cross them off your bucket list. You're, you're going to have a blast. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. If any of the cards mentioned in today's episode piqued your interest, please check out the links in the show notes for more information on any of the cards. Also, if you apply for a card using the links on that page, I may receive a commission too, so please and thank you. P.S. I hear the links work better in Internet Explorer or Safari, and sometimes the credit card applications tend to glitch out in Chrome. Additionally, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star review, and share it with a friend. And if you would like to make even more travel hacking friends, please sign up for the Patreon to access our monthly Masterclass Hangouts. We dive deep into a particular points program each month, and you'll get to ask all of your travel hacking questions and enjoy being around other people who enjoy points and miles just as much as you and I do. If you would like an invite to the next one, head over to geobreezetravel.com slash hangouts to sign up to be on the invite list. Take care and happy travels!